Hey, everybody. Hi, hi. It's Raghu, and I'm back with Mind Rolling. And uh, someone that many of you are familiar with, and we've been doing lovely offerings with, and Anthony Thogmartin. And Anthony's from Papadocio and his own solo act, Earth Cry. Welcome, Anthony. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Um, so uh, I think we have some, I've gotten some wonderful notes from our uh, my uh, personal pro- podcast producer, uh, Ganesh Bray Miller. Who's he and his wife are huge fans of yours forever. It's the only reason I know about you, actually, is through them. But um, just in the kind of casual back and forth, I know that there's quite a. Um, we have some cross currents that are very uh, interesting, uh, you know. Uh, so, yeah, a little bit about yourself in terms of. How you really came, I mean, Anthony does everybody, if you don't know, phenomenal musician, producer, uh, really knows technology, um, really is into what's going on with the environment. So you're a little bit of a renaissance man. And how did this all come through, uh, you know, at, uh, I'm sure, at a very early age? But how did the, the jump happen to realize you can't just, uh, there is a another level of reality that is not just listening to your mind and thoughts and emotions. And there is something to do about some of the predicaments we're in these days. Absolutely. Uh, well, how did it start? Uh, my, my mom told me I used to plug the speakers in backwards in her old receiver, because if you did that, the interference uh, would get picked up in the mic and I could record my own cassettes uh, of myself talking or singing into the speaker and then mm. I could forwards or backwards. And I, that kind of got my head going. And then she would ask me questions. She'd be like, what instrument is that Anthony? What instrument is this? And I was, you know, three years old and I really had fun picking out instruments and listening became this thing. Like listening was just to me, I, I guess I didn't speak much when I was a kid. I, really? <laughs> I, I just listened and was listening to all these different sounds and um, my sisters and I used to record thunderstorms with our boombox, and we would we would have little microphones and we would do commentary as if we were, uh, <laughs> you know, like news anchors, like saying, "Oh, that was a good one." <laughs> and so I was really interested in recording the natural world. The natural world was amazing to me, and my parents did me a great service by taking me to national parks. And I think they did that because they had children's programs, and so they could get rid of us for a while. And we'd go into the woods and flip over rocks and. They, at an early age, they took us to the the forest a lot. I mean, we're always going to, there was one Baroque National Park in the Wayne National Forest in Ohio. It was a beautiful spot. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess, like, you could say that my entry to the here and now has always been related to the great outdoors and mm. outside. Mm. And I've ever since uh, have made it a habit, if I can weekly, sometimes even bi-weekly, to leave all of this technology behind and just go with my friends as deep as we can get and try to find the untouched, untapped place. And, and a good friend of mine that, that walks with us a lot tends to say, Hey, we've been chatting it up a lot. You know, can we, can we just take some silence and take all this in? Mm. And so, yeah, that's, that's where it all comes from. You know, this, 
this connection that we all feel when we, especially when we walk alone in the woods. Mm, yeah. We've been talking about that a lot, or I have been with different people around the healing properties of reconnecting with nature and, uh, and certainly uh, the indigenous peoples that are around this country, so many different uh, tribes. Boy, that's a wisdom and knowledge that uh, we, we need to pay a lot more attention to. And uh, yeah. This There's, area is amazing for First Nation. Like this area. North Carolina, right? Where I am, uh, I'm, our house faces the Swannanoa River Valley, and it crosses the French Broad River. And these, of course, are, those are our names for these rivers. But I guess way back in the day, this, this uh, conjunction of these two rivers is where uh, they used to do these, these giant longboat races. Uh, and multiple different denominations of First Nation would come together, mostly Cherokee, and they would race these longboats. And so this was like a sporting kind of area. And, you know, th these kinds of things, they, they, they open your mind up a little bit to realize just, just what the, the richness of the culture that must have happened in this valley. Uh, it, you start to get a different feeling when you walk around the, the ridges and you look down into the valleys and you're like, man, this was, I mean, one of the most established First Nation uh, cultures was just flourished here in the Southeast. And I, I try to take that into account and think about that and give that honor and, and, and really try to, you know, um, take it all in maybe from that perspective and, and what it, what it would have been like to be alive at that time and witness. Mm. It in place, you know? mm, yeah. So I know that the combination of, in terms of the kind of music that you make that has a real proponent of consciousness, spirituality, whatever we want to call it. And, uh, and you've talked about it. Maybe say a little bit. I think that's where we, we, uh, we dissect a little. No, we come together. <laughs> Talk a little bit about music and spirituality, what that means to you and how it, it helps uh, formulate the offerings that you're making. Well, cool. I think this is a great way to tie it all together. Um, I find myself getting very stale uh, idea-wise. If I can't find that silence, find that, um, that inspiration that being in the great outdoors or at least being in silence can allow. And I'm a huge proponent. And I think that you'll find that most musicians will say this if they're being honest, that we're more like translators you know, like we're, we're sitting by, you know, at, at the little throne beside the, the king, quickly scribing down, or the queen scri scribing down what they're saying. And I think that music is like this great spirit of idea. And these ideas are just are soaring through the world. And we are picking them up every once in a while if we're lucky. And, you know, tra translating them so that people can hear them. Mm. And I, I don't, you'll find by and large that people will write the same music. This is the craziest thing. Like my band will go on tour and in the bus, someone will be whistling a tune on the other side of the bus and I'll hear it. I'll be like, wait, I was just whistling that in my head, even <laughs> though neither of us had heard the song in a couple weeks. And I think there's probably a lot of uh, uh, scientific reasons why this occurs. Sure. But I mean, putting all that aside, I can't sit here and claim, you know, Listen, if, if I was truly being honest, I can't say, listen to my latest record, listen to this, my thing, my, my this, my that. 
it just doesn't truly make sense to be totally honest it's just i think the best musicians in the world are the best translators of what they hear in their in their mind's ear if that even makes sense you know like what all these mm-hmm. ideas are around and we're just simply we're, we're lucky when we receive these i remember receiving one of our bigger songs i heard in my head in the shower while i was just taking a shower and i was like oh this is really inconvenient i really need to get this down so i wrote threw a towel around myself, run over to the studio and sang it into the mic so that I wouldn't forget the idea. And so, so I, it feels, it just doesn't feel totally honest for me to say that I I'm sitting down and creating this amazing thing. It's not me necessarily that's creating it. It's everything that the earth has done leading up to this point, created it. It could be a little bit of me, maybe a little bit of me is in there, but you know, 99% of it is just what the earth is doing or at least that's that's my own personal take on it. I don't want to just say that this is how the world works, but my personal experience has pointed to that. And in that, so so in that I've found every every ounce of spirituality that I've ever found in my life can be encapsulated in that I believe that it's not isolated to just music, that music is is one of those things, but but every 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 single thing, every way we express ourselves is a re-expression of what's already happening. Does that make any sense? Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, I think of it as a funnel. And you you can actually see it if you go to a live thing. A lot of times you can see the thing being funneled from the mystery, let's just call it that, in through this person. I mean, it's what, uh, I mean, the best example in my life is, is Ramdas. And, and, you know, my, I've... Sorry, everybody, for telling these stories the millionth time. But, you know, I, Ram Dass just, I got captured just like everybody with psychedelics and Be Here Now, although he, the Be Here Now wasn't out then, the, the talks that made that up, it was all the same. And then I got to uh, India to meet, because uh, all I wanted to do was meet his guru. And I did, and as soon as he opened the door and I felt, him, I real. oh my God, that's what Ram Dass was about. Had nothing to do with him whatsoever. It was such a transparent thing of someone being a funnel uh, and, and just this was pouring through. It, it, it was an indelible memory, of course. Uh, and uh, so I had this experience uh, that really points to the the way in which spirituality and music really become one. And uh, it was, uh, I, w- I was very much into jazz at, an, at a very early age. And somehow, somebody, an older person, must have been, I can't remember who it was, but they got me into a club, right? You know, that served alcohol. I was only like, I couldn't have been more than 16, maybe 17, and alcohol, where I was from in Montreal. Quebec was, I think, 21. So, but I did get in there and, uh, and there was John Coltrane and his quartet, um, Jimmy Garrison on bass, McCoy Tyner on piano, Elvin Jones on drum, drums. And yeah, he, he was so phenomenal. Elvin Jones was the coolest person I ever encountered in my entire life. He lit a cigarette and he smoked that thing down to the filter without ever touching it and played like the most complex patterns and the timing. I mean, he was extraordinary. 
Uh, I'll never forget that. Anyhow, Coltrane started playing this song, my favorite things, Rodgers and Hammerstein, you know, which was a well, well known song. And he played soprano uh, sax. And uh, although I had had experiences before where I had gone out of my body as a child, which I never told anybody. And I never really realized it till I went to India and had the same experience. But in this particular uh, evening, on this evening, and Coltrane just went into the, just the first few notes. I don't know why, what, how. I just snapped right into a whole other plane of consciousness that was so removed from me, me, me land, you know. I mean, you talked before about songs coming to you, material inspiration and so on and you'd hesitate to say that you have anything to do with it i would disagree a little bit because it's all one super connected thing that we're in and you're you um as an individual soul are part of that i am and just even sitting there with coltrane you know the audience is part of it as well and uh that was a a seminal event for me uh, because um my love for music was so great and I have kept, I've been involved in music my entire life one way or the other. I mean, sometimes not so much professionally, but certainly like going to Indian and getting uh, the idea that we could actually offer our most inner perfection to the divine through what's called kirtan. And uh, so th that that was like uh, the kickoff of the game, as far as I was concerned, and uh, the the idea of realization of how music and and spirituality really um, talk about all one. I mean, at some point, there's no dividing line. That's why they say actually that uh, in India. This is called the Kali Yuga, the age of um, destruction, destruction of ignorance, but destruction on a broader level that we're seeing right now. And they say, don't bother intellectual pursuits, Gyan Yoga, it's called. Just repeat the name and that's all you need. And so that's what, you know, of course, all the Hare Krishna people going around the airports and so on saying that thing. Of course, it's a little bit too exclusive, perhaps, that there, this is the only thing and there is no such thing. But certainly efficacious because of music. Right. All of this, the, the mantra is driven or it's like a medicine that you're not feeling because the music and the beat is just absolutely enveloping you. So you're not. You don't even have to know anything. What Ram, Sita Ram, whatever it is, you don't have to know anything. And it's so easy, especially, uh, well, it's easy for anybody, but in the West, you know, and if you're young, this is something that you, you gravitate towards no matter what. And uh, so the power of music uh, and its uh, ultimate, completely, in, it is completely indivisible from spirit. There's just, that's just the truth, right? So, yeah, I just wanted to mention that. Um, which is, by the way, how I met Anthony. Not I, ultimately because of the uh, Ramdas Soul Land music series. 
and uh, which we did the end of last summer and early fall, and uh, Papadocio was part of it. And uh, Anthony is going to take part because we're starting it up again on March 19th, everybody. So join us. It's Friday night, and um, you will enjoy. And, and also we're doing – oh, this is a good idea. We're going to be – we're doing a compilation of, of some of the songs – I think all of – a lot of the songs that were people um, – each a selection from each person, each artist that uh, performed. And uh, and Papadocio's contribution is called Your Game is Clean. I want to talk about that. But I think we need to – I can't talk to him an artist, a musician, without playing something. It's like, what do we, you know? So we can't play the whole song because it's long, but we're going to play a part of it, and we're going to do it right now. Your game is clean. So what are you are facing as you start to play with these planes of consciousness, these planes of reality, is that you are dealing with paradoxes that you must incorporate into your being. To be an impeccable warrior means that you are going to start to live simultaneously on many planes of reality, not go back and forth from one to the other. And there becomes the stinker in social action. Because for me to go into the plane of reality where I see that we are all one, and then come back into my separateness, as an American, where I am part of 6% of the population using 40% of the natural resources, and dealing with the fact that somebody is blind in India for want of an operation that costs $5, and that I'm going to use my next $5 to go to the movie. If it was my father, I wouldn't, because he's part of my phenomenological self, if it is my cousin it isn't, but somehow that person is them when I'm here, but when I'm one, it's us. And the interesting question is, when you bring it all together, how do you live on this plane as if we are all us? That's what you start to do as an impeccable warrior. Your game is clean across levels of reality. Your game is clean across levels. There you go. Hey, talk about your game is clean, okay? How, what does that mean to you? I mean, I know you. It's picked up from Ramdas, right? Sure. Well, that he, you know, he coined. Well, at least in his talk, coined the phrase because, and and when choosing these um, these quotes, we kind of created them before we we played, and everything that you just heard as well as everything that Papadocio as far as contributed to the series was improvised. So what was interesting is that, you know, we would maybe be going one direction with the music. We would listen and something would be said or some series of things would be said. And all of a sudden I think we would be like, well, wait, I think we need to do this now because that's what the lyrics did. So, but when you have a, a ship of improvising musicians, you could kind of think of it as like a, you could think of it as like a, a boat and everyone gets the cue. Oh, we got to <laughs> change the sail. You know what I mean? Like we got to, we got to go starboard side because that's what the, you know, that's what the lyrics are doing. So your game is clean was referring to your impeccability, you know what I mean? And your, your ability to rise up in, 
in 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 your impeccability. And and, and so we were like, okay, when you listen to how, what happens in the song, it kind of gets a little bit more uh, syncopated, and there's less uh, held out notes. And I think t- in in my head, at least, I was thinking, okay, clean. What is clean? And I started just trying to like pluck out a little plucky, plucky, plucky sounds instead of making long sustained notes. Um, that was at least what was coming through for me. But then again, that's the that's the beauty of playing with five musicians, four other musicians, is that like, what does that mean to you? What does that mean to you? So I, I found it refreshing and fun. The entire project was refreshing and fun because it was improvised in the moment. Um, and it's a little terrifying because for us, we have on nights and off nights whenever we do the improvised thing. And some days it's like, bam, bam, bam. It's hitting like it's great every time. And other times it's like, ah, like we could have done better. Honestly, in that case, that day, everything was firing on all the right cylinders. And we were just so happy with, with the mm. whole. Mm. Yeah, that's so great. Yeah. Which leads me to say, of course, you with Papadocio actually are working on an album that's using more of Ram Dass's, uh material, right? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, at this moment, we have recorded a pretty, a pretty good amount of material and we are, uh, some of it we really like, some of it we, we want to redo, but we did it all live. So our big questions now are how to approach this. Do we want to supplement this with um, maybe a more drone style or a couple drone style songs? Do we want to bring anybody else in on this, like some of our friends around town that play? Um, we haven't like multi-tracked anything. We've done this all like on the spot. And there's something really raw and fun about that. But now we're kind of looking at this from a different angle, being like, okay, so we could do other things with this too. So we're we're bringing in a bunch of different ideas and trying to kind of hone in on on one singular decision. Uh, this time in our lives, we have uh, we have an abundance of time because we're not on the road all the time. <laughs> we we don't feel any need to you know do anything specific or rush anything. It feels like it's a natural process of okay, what is how can we rise to this occasion in a way that like really honors you know the words that are being said and the opportunity and the, the, the honor that we, we feel, you know, being able, being asked to do this project. So. Mm. So how does he, Ram Dass even come into all of this for you, for you and the band? Well, for you particularly, obviously. I was one of those, I was one of those, uh, you know, kids that picked up be, be here now and, you know, uh, had a, a, pretty psychedelic, uh, middle, I guess the, the middle of my life around 18 to like 30, that, that area I was heavily experimenting. And, um, I have since that time kind of refocused my, uh, personal journeys to, uh, less entheogens and more, um, silence and more recently breathing, breathing techniques and breath work in general has been really good for me. Um, but at that time in my life, I, you know, was listening to all the the late greats, you know, uh, Alan Watts and all these all these in, incredible speakers, including Ram Dass. And I just um, it seemed like music was being made in those talks that I listened to. And I would just, you know, early YouTube was was some of the best places because people would just upload rare, rare uh, talks from these guys. And and I and you could just get so deep with that. You know, I was all, also listening to like Terrence McKenna, of course, and all the other all, all those guys. And, and I, I realized that what I was trying to say musically or what, what I wanted as an artist to put forward was the places that listening to those talks brought me. Um, and so 
lyrically, I wanted to distill down some of those things. And how we actually met uh, is you had discovered that we had used some of Ram Dass's, uh oh, right. first tune on our first record. Uh, because that's such a prime example of uh, he was speaking to otherization, the the act of saying I'm on this side and you're on that side, and and he always speaks to otherization, and I've always enjoyed that um, aspect of of what he would bring to the table. But this specific quote, um, "There is no they, there's no other, it's all one," um, really is what I wanted to bring forward lyrically in the song "The Plug." And it's such a prime example of what I'm talking about because it was that that song was heavily influenced by the vocal sample before it was even a song. And then it was the idea of trying to wrap this song idea around that quote. It doesn't always go that way. Most of the time, it's like, I got a riff. Okay, that riff would go maybe well with this vowel sound. And, you know, it beca- it, it comes naturally that way. This was more like, a, it was actually one of the, the last songs we wrote on the record. It, we just felt it was a strong it was a strong song. So we put it first, you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah. And then you had reached out and you're like, Hey, we think this is great. We want to know more about you guys. And, um, yeah. And that's, that's, that's cool how that all came together. I get that. that that's our very first song that we put out. So really, yeah. It's the first Papa Docio. <laughs> wow. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. That's pretty amazing actually. Oh, so What in the heck is it like? I mean, how many members are in Papadocio? It's five. Five? Five, right. And and it's an equal democratic process, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a it's a long process. And it's a it's it's interesting our relationships and how you have to when when collaborating with five people, it's very simple by yourself to say know exactly what you're doing. When you have five people, you have five people that are trying to come together and represent their experience with what they're hearing. Right. And, you know, that's why you give people these specific, these, these little fun roles that we play. Like I'm the drummer, I'm the bass player, I'm the guitar player, because you can kind of get that, that thing and translate it through your instrument. And, and, and harmony can usually occur in that way because people aren't stepping on each other's frequency areas, right? The bass is low, the guitar is high, the singing is higher, the drums are all around everything, and they don't have notes. But uh, what's interesting about all that is like I was saying before earlier, when you know somebody's whistling something, and then I'm like, I, I had that in my head. We have over the years, these these 15 years now being together, we have over the years noticed that we're all we're on this wavelength more than we aren't because of the act of practicing together. We're in training together. You know, we're we're in training our our minds to react a specific way to certain sonic cues. You know what I mean? So maybe on a physiological level, that's what's going on. But also I think on a on a deeper level, on a spiritual level, on a on a you know, a brotherhood level, you know, we have in some way connected in ways that I think that it would take us thousands of years to be able to discover what these other things are. You know what I mean? And and maybe maybe we don't even have to put words on it. Maybe it's just that magical and wonderful. But I feel like when I, even if we spend weeks apart, we'll come together and it'll still work. It's almost like riding a bicycle. Like we're really never going to forget how to jam together. 
Will we be rusty? Will we be not as good? Will we have off nights? Of course. But, you know, because we've taken the, we've, we've, we've ridden the bike so many times now it's like second nature to connect with each other. At the same time though, you have, um, five different minds, five different me perspectives. And there has to be, uh, moments where, gee, I think that that riff is right. You're not, you know, forget about it, okay? This is something that, uh, there's got to be that going on as well. And the only way that I've found in terms of collaborating with people where at its, at its, uh, at its best, at its highest level is the understanding we are all, whatever we are doing is perfect for us to realize how caught we are or aren't and to allow it to transform through mindfulness. So I have to assume because you guys, and certainly ethnogens help to understand at least the different planes of consciousness so that you're not feeling like what you think is real. You're not feeling like your story is is a story that you're going to hold on to for the rest of your life. So is that what's going on too with uh, the guys in Papadocia? We definitely, well, to speak to the first point, yeah, we, we, you know, of course have definitely had very large disagreements to the degree that, um, <laughs> no, you, it wouldn't be right to call them friends. It would be much more right to call them brothers because friends you know, they can get in disagreements, but they don't have the kind of like fights that brothers do. Brothers have real fights, you know, big, big time. Like, well, I think this, I think that. And yeah, we've all been in that situation where we get caught up in the me, but my thing, my, my, this, my, that, you know? Um, but I think by and large, what we've discovered is that what we create together, when we give the other person, if someone's really feeling strongly about something, that also means that they're kind of stepping up into like maybe the role of leadership and that energy is trying to happen through them. So we should hear that idea out. And what we come up with together as a team always is probably going to be a much better thing than what, you know, us individually would have come up with, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's, uh, I think this is, an, is this your, the newest album, Identity Mitosis. Yeah, that's that's the newest Earth Pry album. My 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 newest solo solo thing. Yeah. And is that out yet? It is. It's a uh, it's an episodic um, animated video series on YouTube. Um, hmm. and it's pretty interesting. It's a, it's a, it's I I am I really enjoy what people project as what could potentially happen in the future, and so I. Uh, I like to read uh, futuretimeline.net is a great place to find what different, you know, sci-fi authors and scientists come up with what might happen all based on, you know, present data and stuff. And so I kind of imagined what would happen if there's all the information on earth is, is distilled into these little AI robots. And the only thing that survives the time of humans and the time of everything is this little AI robot. And one of they all left planet earth except for one of them and one of them stays here and then the earth goes through his extinction period regrows everything so seven million years is about the average that it takes for earth to rebound um, whenever there's a mass extinction period so this takes place you know seven million years in the future 
and this little AI turns back on and meets a being that is basically kind of representative of the earth. And so the robot is representing this very fractional thinking, rational, logical, you know, uh, kind of like scared and always on guard kind of like mentality. And then the the being that it's talking to is representing this symbiotic, super connected uh, perspective. And they have conversations about different topics. And each one of those topics, I turned into uh, a song. And each one of those songs, it has like a little dialogue you can read at the bottom of the screen where they're kind of like talking about from their perspective, well, I think this, I think that. And it's a really interesting, I think so. I hope <laughs> I hope some other people find it interesting, but it's this little like interplay between these two beings. And uh, the I don't want to give away anything if anyone wants to, to watch it, but um, they they come together and I have our first album as a band is called McGreenery. And I've, it's kind of like a play on machinery and greenery, like thinking of like the world uh, as like this interplay between technology and nature and my own life being this thing where I, I'm really highly, you know, engaged in all this technology of music, but then I, every, as much as I can get out into nature where there's nothing like that. Um, I just like artistically, that's the kind of like, I guess, uh, modus operandi I, op- I operate out of. That's where I, that's, that's where you'll find me is in the folds between, you know, the completely raw original na- natural world and then technology. And so that's mm. what I'm trying to bring forward with that. Mm. Oh, that's so good. By the way, everybody, we, of course, in the show notes on BeHereNowNetwork.com slash mindrolling, you will be able to be connected to uh, Anthony's Earthcry album, Identity Mitosis. What's mitosis mean? Mitosis is when a cell splits. Mitosis. Uh-huh. I mean, like the the whole naming of this was that the the AI is extremely fl- fractionalized, whereas the Earth being was has always been like, well, you're part of me. Like talking to this little AI, you're part of me. You're part of me. Uh, the the being always refers to the AI as little seed because he's trying to explain to the to the AI that you're actually a planet seed. You know what I mean? And you have all the information and everything you could ever need information wise to go out into the universe and start another planet and do, you know, do all this stuff. Like I think of the earth's extinction period that we're living through right now. I think of it as sort of like, you know, when you, when you see a plant grow, it turns into a flower and then it wilts because it's, it's devoting all of its energy to create seeds. You know, I think that the overarching story that we, that we tell about our time right now is this horrible, dark kind of situation, but you know, intelligence and humanity has to mature in some way. And any plant you see in nature that is even, even the annual plants that come back every, you know, every year, they go to seed and they devote all of their energy to that. And so if you could zoom out and look at the earth from this perspective, just another perspective, you could look at it as the earth is going to seed and the seed that it's creating is this, this hyper, you know, condensed amount of information and, uh, and art and everything that humans have come up with for better or for worse. Mm. Uh, it's just a little perspective I enjoy. Mm. That's great. Are we going to have to wait 7 million years though? <laughs> Maybe we'll get it right this time. I feel like that's what the earth is trying to do. Every time this happens, we think there's been six mass extinction periods, but maybe there's been like, you know, 500 million and you know, this is just another one and it's making an attempt yet again to create seeds and shoot them off you know what i mean like maybe that's maybe that's what this is you know yeah 
you have a deep connection too, and not just. Uh, I mean, you you have been active with uh, matters around uh, ecology and environment. Maybe say a little bit about that. What that means to you, and as far as I'm seeing it, your generation, next generation, um, in terms of coming to grips with what is going on, which is probably the most important. I mean, it's all locked in, actually. And what I mean is uh, it's extraordinary and an extraordinary moment that needs to be paid a bunch of attention. And it's starting to happen, but of course there's tremendous backlash and um, denial going on in our world. And um, at the same time, you can't leave out, in, in my mind, and I did a podcast with, uh, with uh, some people uh, who are uh, activists around the environment, and they wrote a book called Full Ecology, which will be on one of the mind rollings coming up, I think. And, but they really dug into the fact that we have to change our polarized relationship inside ourselves if we are to cut through the polarization that we are creating with everything around us, the way that we treat I, I mean, down to the throwing the plastic thing out without even thinking, not knowing where it's going, not even, um, I mean, just complete lack of awareness that we all do, all of us are doing all the time. And uh, to to be able to, at the same time, work on that polarization uh, as we're hopefully thinking about what we can do as individuals, even in the smallest way, to contribute to uh, stopping the madness that's going on. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I really like that perspective that tries to tie in the violence that we experience on the outside toward the environment or to each other, that that is all coming from the same place. And if people can really... I, I believe that if people can really wrap their understanding around that, then we're, we're, we've finally started to move somewhere. Like, for example, if you, we live in a polarized, especially America right now is a very polarized country. And I've noticed that entering into any conversation on a, on a hot topic, that if you don't go into that conversation with an open ear right off the bat, and it becomes this, instead of becoming this, like, well, I heard this, well, I heard that. If you don't come in with an open ear, you don't give that other person that open ear first, they will never hear you. So what's the point in me going over to that mountain and standing on top of it and and claiming what I know to be true without lending my ear to somebody else? If I truly want to change the world, I mean, it, it's almost like people want to experience the, the the feeling of being correct or experience their own personal righteousness more than they actually want to you know, move society into a better place or move human culture or move the earth into a, a more sustainable future. And so I, I truly believe and 100% agree that sustainability in a lot of ways, environmentally sustainability starts with hearing out why people aren't on board. And that is really hard, I think, for a lot of people to understand, you know, um, and it's hard to wrap your mind around it because it's so 
it seems like such a step backwards, but to open your heart <laughs> to the concerns, because I, I truly believe that everybody on planet Earth has, I mean, it's almost like you can't find, you can't find uh, an antagonist. Everyone in their own mind is the protagonist of their life story. You know, I mean, I'm sure even some of the most heinous, you know, people on earth that have ever walked the earth in their own minds, they were the protagonist. So you have to, if, if you expect to totally upend someone's entire like protagonist timeline story from, from A to Z, you got to hear them first and to, to truly hear them and, 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 and be willing to be wrong in some regards, because it's where we come together that change happens, not where we just, you know, just, I got this, I got that. I believe this. I believe that it doesn't do anything. It just, it's just, you know, this. <laughs> yeah. I go back to what you said when I asked you how this all kind of evolved for you from a young age and how you listen. You did a lot of listening. You probably became more of an expert than most people because of that proclivity to listen and listen to the environment. And then I'm sure it transferred into listening to people around you and being open. I mean, that's what it seems like to me. And that's such a difficult, difficult uh, path uh, to be. I mean, that is uh, somebody, I forget, a French writer, I think, said the most generous act that you can perform for another person is giving them 100% attention. Yeah. Right. And if you we walk around how many times you know we can all recognize how we somebody is is engaging us and then we're out to lunch eyeballs going left and right thoughts with a, oh yeah yeah it's very difficult to which is why you know i tell the story of ramdas a billion times when i first met him he gave me that complete 1 billion percent attention and there was no Richard or Ramdas there. That he became nobody in that movie, which refers to the movie that we did with him. Uh, and in that moment, there was just surrounding me. You surround that person that you're engaging with complete uh, projection of of a trusting, warm body of water that you can completely let go. And that's what we can offer. Now, none of that can happen until you do that with yourself, right? Start with yourself and love oneself, be kind to oneself, have compassion with oneself. And then, then I think you have a chance to listen to other people uh, and, and not being crazy judgmental. And, uh, and then we have a chance to engage with all the uh, primal um, events of our lifetime and right at the very top certainly is the environment. Mm -hmm. I think we live in a, in a time of convergent, convergent crises. And I think that I think an, an immediate reaction could be to be sad and worried and afraid. And I, I think that those are all extremely understandable reactions and, and there's a place for them too. They, 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 they're indicators of, the need to change and transform, of course. But I think that we can also look at them and look at human history and and look at the fact that, you know, I don't have talons. I don't have like 
you know, huge muscles. There, we have no real advantage, you know, evolutionarily. Other than that, we have each other and we are social creatures. And the only reason humans have survived all this time is because we are adaptable and we understand what it means to change. So when we look at the world and it looks like this big, like it can't change, you know, humans don't change. Human nature is human nature. It's like, well, actually, if you, if you're honest and you take a look at what we've done, over these over the, these millennia, like we have changed dramatically, and how we organize society has changed so dramatically, and it's almost like we need, for some reason, we decide we want to learn the hard way, but but when the climate refugees start coming into America, when when climate refugee, I think, is going to be one of the biggest terms in the next you know twenty or thirty years, when we actually have to see the 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 result of the of the of the fruit, you know the that we've, that we've sown, we will change. And that sometimes that's what it takes. So I think there are other ways to look at this. I'm not one of those people that says, well, I should just sit around and do nothing now because, you know, it's all gonna, it's all gonna happen anyway. But I do think that there's, that's definitely a big part of it. And what I can bring to the table and what you can bring to the table and what everybody can bring to the table is much bigger than that, but we will experience these things. And I think that we will find our way through it as we always have and we'll be better for it. Nothing's going to solidify a sustainable future as much as the necessity for a sustainable future, you know? And so the smart people are seeing it now, but eventually all of our systems will be designed around it because we have no other way. We have no other choice. Yeah. I, and uh, I compl completely agree around the, the reality that we are so interconnected with each other and the more that we come to realize that that connection is what is going to help us transform all of this this great meeting place of, of very very tough uh, events that are going on uh, right now boy eh? when you start to think of them it's like staggering with the God, the pandemic and the political polarization and the uh, the huge gap between those with wealth and those without it, and the environment and so on. Yeah, it's uh, it's mind-boggling. But Thich Nhat Hanh, you know, Thich Nhat Hanh is yeah. Um, so. He has a, a, a beautiful little aphorism for these for now. Uh, he said the next the next Buddha is the Sangha, the satsang, the community. Oh. And yeah. And isn't that so? Isn't that so, right? And that's something great to uh, to fall back on in one's mind and gives courage to be able to take the next step forward. Um, Anthony, the, the, uh, I got these lyrics from uh, Ganesh and uh, from a song that you wrote with Papadocio. I don't know who wrote All I Knew. Yeah, that, How that, do you... that, that was the second record, yeah. And who, did somebody writes, I mean, you, you're really collaborative on, on all this stuff, I know that. I wrote that song and the lyrics um, mainly. Um, there was definitely other musical contributions uh, in that tune, but I wrote the lyrics and the, the main riffs, if you will. Mm. 
Okay, I just want to read from it because it, um, it's just great. I wasn't born with a violent heart. I didn't know what my race was. I didn't need to kill anyone. All that I knew was love. I wasn't born with a jealous heart. I didn't know what I deserved, and I didn't need to own anything. All that I knew was love. I wasn't born with an ego. I didn't know what my name was. I didn't need to be anyone. All that I knew was love. I love this. This is uh, this is so... <laughs> I mean, just think, it is so relatable for everybody. That that you start to realize, yes, you do need to develop an ego to go through life. It just doesn't need to be the master. It's much better if it's the servant, as Ramdas used to say. But um, the, the, the reality of that perfection, and everyone can see it in any baby. If you've ever been, and most of us have been with a, with a, a, a newborn, and you see that the wonder and the joy and the bliss and all of it is there. And so is a body because sometimes it's uncomfortable, you know, even taking a poop so you cry. But all of that wonder and joy, then the causes and conditions come in as soon as you know your name. That puts you as a separate individual and then you're forever a whole life after developing a solid ego, shall we say, you spend the rest of your life becoming nobody, as Ramdas used to say. And uh, yeah, so it's, I love it. It's beautiful lyrics, man. Really. Uh, that the lyrics are just trying to point to, of course, you need an ego to really even just to survive because you have to remember to eat and <laughs> and and stay warm and all the other things, of course. But yeah, the lyrics are just trying to point to that all the things that we do that we that we coin as evil or bad behavior are all learned things there are things that we learn we learn to do them you know there there are things that we instruct and and if you if you want to zoom out with that as far as you can go with it you can learn other ways to interact with each other and that was what that song was kind of trying to point to mm. how old were you when you wrote that I May I ask? I was probably 22 or 23 or something. Jeez. That's pretty wise stuff for a 22-year-old. <laughs> it's great, man. With me. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. We go back to the reality. Um, now, well, before, we're getting close to the end, but I, I did want to highlight something that you that I really appreciate that you do, which is the teaching that you do, musical seva, and um, it's it, I think it's called Seed to Stage Academy. Tell tell us a little bit about that. I think there's many people who are listening that are either musicians or wanting to delve more into that area of their lives. And so, yeah, please introduce that. Well, it all started with the joy of making music and, and feeling, I feel relatively free that if I hear a sound in my head, I can make it happen. Um, and it's a gift. It is such a gift that I want to keep giving that gift. And uh, I've found a new joy and that's a new joy in teaching. And so 
what I originally wanted to do was create an education-based festival where a week would a week of instruction, you could go and like have like a couple master classes and some other things. And then on the weekend, instead of uh, you going to a, a, a show where all these known artists are going to play, it's the students performing what they've learned throughout the week and their, their friends and parents can show up. And it's like a, you know, it's not like this like giant festival, but it's like this, just the celebration of, of knowledge. And I, it, it, it never got to that point because what happened was, you know, the coronavirus hit and I was finally expanding the, the see, see the stage Academy, which was the musical end of it. Uh, I had two cities lined up. It was here in Asheville and one in Denver and everything was going really well. And then, you know, all that happened. So where I was at is I was, I was like, okay, how can I, how can I still move forward with this, the joy of teaching? And uh, so, yeah, I started a, a YouTube channel teaching uh, musical software. And then uh, now uh, it's become a, an online course that you can take. There's multiple online courses you can take for learning how to get the music that's in your head playing out of speakers, you know? And, and so that's what I wanted to bring to the table. My ultimate vision still remains the same. I really like the idea of maybe a school or, you know, something like that. It's, it, it may be a pipe dream. It may be something that I'm, you know, like I'll, I'll actually be able to do, but for now, yeah, I'm, I'm just teaching uh, everything that I've learned, trying not to hold back at all and just giving it all out. My, my YouTube channel, it's crazy. I, I think that there's a big need for information that's, you know, sound and organized into specific, specific places you can go. And so my YouTube channel is, it's just crazy. There's like 55,000 people that all think that I have something decent to offer. And Oh, wow. Um, so yeah, education is mm. definitely a, a, a new thing for me. I guess the last five years or so I've really went down that path, but mm. you know, I've, I've experienced all the joys that a musician could ever want to experience and play it on festivals, red rocks and all that other stuff. And I just, I want to, instead of just like hoard all this, like that I've learned, why not just, why not just give it back out? It's fun. You know? Mm. That's terrific, Anthony. Love it. Love it. It's, it's, I guess that's part of the reason why we're um, joining forces here is uh, how well we see eye to eye about all of this. Uh, And by the way, again, Anthony will be premiering his own solo work on Ramdas Soul Land, streaming out to every platform on Friday, March 19th. So we really look forward to that. That's going to be terrific. And uh, again, everybody, we're going to, Anthony will give me all the links or give us all the links and we'll make sure they're all up there so you can, you can go and, uh, and I, I really, I want to watch that series you talked about, but the little AI guy, that's cool. So we're going to have all of that and links to the music and links to uh, what Papadocio did last fall for the Ram Dass Holand series. So thank you. Thanks, Anthony, for being here and being who you are. It's, uh, you know, it's very inspiring. I, I, I say this, and I have this said this sometimes, so there's so many similarities to me coming up, you know, late 60s, early 70s. And uh, and what I feel is going on now with Next Generation, except for, you know, there's a lot of... Um, we are both of these cultures driven by 
enormous pushback from, shall we say, not so delightful forces. And many of them, of course, through karma and through generational stuff, all the way, you know, we haven't even talked about racial justice and, and how that's some, such a part of, of what we're, uh, we're waking up to in a way. I don't think we've woken up to it quite this way before. And um, it's, it's, just, uh, it's just an extraordinary time. And to, to be able to share what you're sharing in these times, especially through music, is, uh, is so invaluable. And we're happy to be able to help present it and, uh, and just uh, you know, the kind of work that you've been doing with this band and solo and everything else. I don't want to gush too much, but it is pretty great. And it's not what we used to do back in the day. We were more focused on me, me. I'm going to get more spiritual or I'm going to, no, I'm going to get deliverance now. I've realized, wow, you can get more kind, compassionate, loving. But we, some of us, many of us, and myself included, missed the boat on wait a minute, at the same time, we can be adding a social voice. We can be adding an environmental voice. And I don't think we got that quite the way that you get it uh, from this generation. So thank you. Got it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This was wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you next week on Mind Rolling. Go to BeHereNowNetwork.com slash Mind and check out all of this uh, growing um, podcasts that we have. Mirabai Bush just joined us and had a great talk with John Densmore. By the way, you would like to hear that talk, Anthony. And also, uh, Ramdas, we did a whole thing and it came out a few weeks ago. Ramdas and uh, Alan Watts back and forth around the same kind of theme. Uh, that was a delight. So, some great stuff there. Check it out and we'll see you next week. Next week.